This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from with new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the therapy group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Hey, Jen. Hey, Em. How you doing today? You know, I wouldn't say it's been my best week. <laughs> no? <laughs> I've just been a little ill. <laughs> a little ill. Just it's little also like Ill. the smoke. We have now smoke here again. Like, it really starts to hurt your lungs and your it sciences. It's also rain. It's, it's, it's a shitty, shitty time. Shitty time. Bit of a shitty time, I would say. <laughs> you Irish? I, the fuck it was, I'm so bad at accents. If Me there too. was, somebody recently had said to us, like, do you guys have a secret talent? And my talent should be how fucking bad at accents I am. Yeah, I, I think when you're bad at something, they don't consider that a talent. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? Like, I think that's the opposite of a talent. <laughs> Mm. you know and if that's a talent then like mine would be if if being bad at something is a talent then mine would be sports <laughs> or like being I competitive i don't know why you didn't say your rubber finger though i know you did say that okay All i right. told you afterwards though should i show everyone this is going to bring so many people to our youtube ready <laughs> i don't think that's bringing literally anyone to our YouTube. <laughs> like what do you think's wrong with my finger I think you're just hitting it really hard. No, I'm telling you, it's not the same. <laughs> not the same. Quality Listen. entertainment here. But really, <laughs> quality. <laughs> okay, our new intros. We're still doing the fun new intro thing. Oh, yeah, because that wasn't fun <laughs> enough. <laughs> My rubber finger really didn't, didn't give us. 
<laughs> the intro we needed. <laughs> Somebody had a really great idea. What, what was your first job? So my first job, I think I worked at a camp as an art teacher for little kids. What kind of art did you do? That's so nice. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Isn't that unex- would you expect that of me? I'm going to be honest. I'm shocked that that's what you just said. I'm sure. So, uh, you know, what kind of art? It was probably like gluing macaroni to shit. I don't know. <laughs> it was like crafts. <laughs> but, but like it was before Google. So you had to like make up crafts on your own. You couldn't even like Google ideas. No, you I, get on no I was I was like a I was like a an assistant so it's not like i was making it up like there's uh, another like legit yeah i just showed up. i was like 16 what camp were you at um sesame rockwood well now now you know folks sesame now rockwood. you know if you <laughs> went to Ses- i'm pretty sure nikki went to sesame rockwood did she i think so i hope i didn't make that up we'll find but out soon <laughs> we'll find out soon and what um, about you oh wait can i guess can oh, i guess yes brewster's ice cream you already fucking knew this <laughs> I worked at Brewster's Real Ice Cream, which if you didn't have a Brewster's, was just an ice cream shop. I didn't have a Brewster's. Um, and if you listen to the episode with um, our amazing clinician, Amy, and the story of finding out she had another brother later in life, Amy and I worked together at Brewster's Real Ice Cream when I was 14. We were 14 years old. She was not 15. I was 14. Time of your life. Great time. Here was the thing, though. You weren't allowed to sit down. And you could sample as much ice cream as you wanted, but you had to use the sample spoons. You couldn't use like a real size spoon. And I got in trouble for that multiple times because I was like, I'm just going to reuse the real fucking spoon. But I learned how to make a waffle cone. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I learned how to decorate a cake. So you know what? It was honestly a pretty good time. It gave you so much experience. And then after that, I um, worked at Saxby's Coffee. How was that? I learned how to make coffee. I'm going to be honest. I just ate all the bagels. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> okay, let me Mainly ask you a question. Mainly, I was picking my jobs based on carbs. <laughs> let me ask you a question. What was your worst job? I don't know if I've had a worst job. I'll tell you mine. What was yours? Waitressing. Oh, well, I yeah. So, I mean, things, I worked in retail for a long time. Yeah. And I loved, I worked at Free People for many, many years and I loved it. But like, yeah, you like treated like shit in retail in the service yeah. industry, right? But I liked the people I worked with and I thought it was fun, right? Like, that's a nice thing. I don't think anything I did like sucked that bad. Yeah. For waitress. But did you, yeah, did you make good money? Great money. But the thing is, you had to be so on, right, all the time. And you'd be like, of course, yes, I'll get you ketchup. I'll get you, you know, breakfast was the hardest because you had to toast the bagels. And I would get home after like a seven hour day and I would just break down crying because it was so, I mean, you know, I'm introverted. Seven hours of having to talk to people and like be really on. I'm surprised that you didn't say the podcast is your worst job. I wouldn't call this that you usually get paid for a job. <laughs> the minimal, the minimal dollars we make here. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. No, Wait, I, I, please keep listening to our ads and ordering them, guys. They do help us a little bit. <laughs> here's what's different. Here is what's different. Is that on the podcast, despite the fact that I'm a little sick, I still feel like I can be myself. Yeah, you can. You know? Oh, it's true. 
You know, as a waitress, that was the hardest thing. And I'm sure if you're listening to this and you've ever been in a job where you feel like you have to be on constantly and your internal self is so disconnected from your external self, that sucks the life out of you. So on the podcast, I'm at least chatting with you. I feel like I can be myself. And I feel that way as a therapist too, that like I can very much be myself, which is life-changing when you're in a job and the environment we strive to create at the therapy group. (laughs) That was a really good plug. Thank you so much. You're like, also, don't forget, we own a practice called the Therapy Group. If you're interested in in being matched with a clinician in any of our many states and locations, please reach (laughs) on out. (laughs) But so ready for my transition. So when I had a job that went with you know, made me so disconnected from my internal self. The amount of anxiety I had was insane at the end of the day. And so today's episode (laughs) is about being the partner with anxiety and the shame that it can bring. Mm. And we're talking specifically in a partnership, but this can be friendships. This can be in your family relationships. We got so many questions <laughs> about this. Yes. So many questions because if you're in a relationship and you're the one with anxiety, you're very expressive with the anxiety and your partner maybe is more logical, responds to things very logically, then it can bring a lot of shame to be the one with more emotions. And when your partner is experiencing something different, sometimes they don't have the ability to respond to your emotions in a way that are validating for you. Um, and so we just got so many questions about this and we want to we want to help you. You know, there's a word that we kept seeing throughout all these questions. And that word is burden. Mm. In about 50% of the questions that came in, this word was used. And that's a heavy word. Yeah. I feel like I am the burden. And I think the thing about the times when you feel like you're a burden is then it feels like you can't ask for your needs or express yourself at other times because you feel like you're making up for being a burden. Yeah. So I want to first point that out that you're going to keep hearing this language. And also, I want to be clear that you are not. And I think it's no mistake that everyone feels this way. Yeah. If we also take the term burden and think about how far back does that go? Like, is this a feeling that you have just felt in your relationship? Is this something you maybe felt growing up? Were your feelings too big for your parents to respond to, to for your caregivers to respond to? And so that would be my question because, yeah, burden comes up so, so many times in these questions. Um, but my question would be, how far back does that go? Yeah. Is that something you have felt your whole life with your emotions? Anyone else feeling like the mental load of making dinner, the planning, the shopping, the prep, figuring out the timing? <laughs> it's a little heavy to carry, huh? Same. That's why I am so grateful for Hungry Root. The food quality, simple recipes, true tastiness, and delivery right to my door is truly a game changer. When getting started, you take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know you, what you like to eat, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to use. So you can sit back, relax, and offload the many steps of meal planning. 
Each order is fully customizable so you can take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high quality meat and seafood, healthy snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready meals, kids snacks and meals, vitamins, supplements, much more. My favorite item for my latest box was the honey citrus chopped salad, lemon pepper chicken, and the four cheese tortellini. You gotta try it for yourself. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's gotta taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. A really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair cut or went to the salon, which is of course the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty free and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I use this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that pros takes into consideration with their customization. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash chicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash chicks. That's P-R-O-S-E.com slash chicks. Did you know that billions of plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles end up in landfills every year? I used to contribute to that waste, constantly buying single-use plastic cleaning products without giving it much thought. But then I discovered Blue Land, and it has been a game changer. Blue Land has helped me eliminate the need for single-use plastic and the products I reach for the most. They are reinventing cleaning essentials. Their approach is simple yet revolutionary. Refillable cleaning products with a sleek design that not only looks great on your counter, but also reduces plastic waste significantly. What I love most is the convenience. With Blueland, I never worry about running out of cleaning supplies or lugging bulky bottles from the store. From hand soap to toilet bowl cleaner to laundry tablets that each smell incredible, all Blueland products are made with clean ingredients you can feel good about. I was blown away when I received my first Blueland order. I immediately filled the bottles with water and their tablets, which was so easy to try everything out. And the ingredients are clean, the scents are refreshing, and the packaging is just so cute. Blueland is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine. If you you're ready to make a positive change for the planet without sacrificing cleanliness or convenience, Blueland has you covered. Blueland has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash shrinkchicks. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash shrinkchicks for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash shrinkchicks to get 15% off. 
let's start us off with the first question. <laughs> How to not feel like a burden or too much. So one, exactly what Jen said. One, where have I felt this before? How am I feeling it now? What's it look like? And what am I, what's the story I'm telling myself around this, right? What does it mean to be too much? Is that an internal thing that I'm saying to myself? Am I directly getting that externally from my relationships? Are people repeatedly setting boundaries with me and telling me that I'm too much, right? So like, it's important to know, like, where is this language and word coming from? How do you also respond to that feeling of being a burden, right? So, you know, if you're feeling anxious and you're like, oh, I don't want to burden other people with this, are you holding all of your feelings in and not sharing them with other people? Um, are you sharing so much that people are turning away from you and it's reinforcing this feeling of like, maybe I'm a burden? So my question would also be like, how are you responding to your anxiety? And that's going to be, I think, a consistent thread that we talk about too throughout these questions is it's not about having the anxiety or having these big feelings. It's also about the way that you are responding to them and reacting to them in your relationship. And so this takes us into another question, how to feel like you've, uh, how to not feel like you've always done something wrong. And so that's kind of my question in this is it's not about having the anxiety. It's the way in which you're responding to the anxiety. So if you have anxiety and you're screaming at your partner because you're anxious, you know, maybe you've done something wrong. (laughs) Maybe there's something we say that's called appropriate shame. And sometimes, right, I'll use myself as an example. When I am feeling really, we've talked about this in the show before, when I'm feeling really anxious, mine comes out as anger and aggressiveness um, in my relationship. Jen swears I don't ever do this in our relationship. Um, That I'm much more contained. I think I am pretty contained in my life, except for in my marriage, right? That's when it really starts to fall apart or like with my mom sometimes. And so uh, for me, if I act out of anger or aggressiveness, then usually I'm going to have to apologize for that. (laughs) Hey, I wasn't being my best self this morning when I came to talk to you. I do need this additional support from you. And the way that I went about it wasn't good. Um, I'm really sorry for blowing up to you, rightly, all this stuff. For me to take responsibility for my part in something. It matters. Yeah, but it matters for me to do that. And it's it's important too, right? That, and so that you know, I I wish I had more context to this question because it isn't about having the anxiety; it's about what you do with the anxiety. Another example of this, and I'll take it on my end, is that if you are in a conversation, right, and you are working on something that's really anxiety provoking for you. Do you then shut down and shut yourself off from the conversation without expressing, hey, I'm feeling really anxious about this, and so I need a little bit of time? Or do you just shut down and 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 shut the conversation down? Mm-hmm. That also is anti-relational in a lot of ways. And so you typically look at the partner who's reacting to their anxiety and say, oh, I'm doing something wrong. But our goal is always to respond to the anxiety as opposed to react to it. So if you find yourself reacting to the anxiety, you might want to say, well, what else can I do with this? So something I really try to work on when I go into shutdown mode is to say like, hey, I'm feeling really anxious about this conversation. And my my personal anxiety usually comes up when we're talking about money. Money really is very triggering for me. And so I will say, this conversation is making me really anxious. I just need a few minutes to process this and then I can come back to the conversation. Mm-hmm. So I give myself a few minutes, but I have to really 
take note of like when my anxiety is acting up because I feel myself shutting down and then I'm not listening at all. Yeah. And so that's what I would, you know, ask myself, right, is what is happening when I'm feeling anxious? What is my default? What are the ways in which I'm trying to protect myself? Is that actually supporting my relationship or is that anti-relational? Is that keeping me separate from my partner? Mm-hmm. Is it keeping me from engaging in this conversation in a way that's productive for our relationship? And the same thing, and you keep saying part of what's again, like we're also talking about friendships as well, right? Like in my friendships, let's well, so I'm going through a really anxious period. I'm not reaching out to anyone. Those relationships matter too. It's this interesting thing that we are our friendships can be some of the most incredible life-changing things in our life. And then we act like we don't owe people anything. That's simply just not true, right? So if you're going through something, of course, take care of yourself first and you can communicate too. And so I think that's something to say. If there's something that's really important to you or to come back and say to someone, hey, I'm really sorry I haven't reached out in a while. I've been going through some of my own shit. Right. That's it. It doesn't have to be this really complicated thing to do a very short acknowledgement. Acknowledging and talking about something really does a ton for people. So I want to go to this one, which is sometimes I feel like my anxiety will be too much for my partner. How to overcome the insecurity. We overcome that insecurity by saying, here's what I am doing to take care of uh, my anxiety or my grandiosity or um, my lashing out, blah, 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 fill in the fucking blank. And so here are the things that I do so that when I have someone else in my life, romantic friendship, a job, um, a, um, a business partner, that I can fully support them and be involved in that as well. And that does come from taking care of ourselves first. So when we talk about this idea of take care of yourself first, you can take care of others or be there for others. We're not saying that. That's what we're talking about. Like That's what we mean is that it's not selfish. It's not selfish to hold on to yourself and find yourself and then be able to go towards others. It's impressive. It is. It's impressive. (laughs) My, My question would also be is when you say too much like what's the actual fear of what's going to happen right like is your partner is the fear that my partner's going to leave or my friends won't be friends with me anymore um or are they going to you know start yelling whatever it is like i would want to get down to what the fear is and my question would also be like has that happened to you before like is that something that was present in your life growing up is that sense of Am I too much? Is that coming from your present relationship or is that coming from a childhood wound that maybe you're bringing into these relationships? How present is that in the reality of your relationship? And so I would do some reality testing in that to see where this is coming from. Has this happened before in your relationship or is this coming from the past? I, I want to go to this one, which is I always feel like a burden slash a problem. There's our words again. How can I reassure myself instead of asking my significant other? I would imagine if you always ask your significant other to ground you, it's going to become annoying. I know that doesn't feel good to hear, but it's going to be annoying <laughs> to anyone else in your life, right? You Same will. It, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You will is. then become a burden. Yes. And so the thing is, how do I ground myself? and not rely on other people. So that gives us a lot of information about the importance of external validation that you've been living in. You could have internal validation of, 
you know what? Today was not my best day. <laughs> I let my anxiety get the best of me. I lashed out at work or I avoided answering somebody because I was feeling um, so uncomfortable, right? Like today was not my best day. And here's what I'm going to do. Instead, what we do is we go to other people. Oh, God, was I so bad? Oh, was it so insane? We've all done this. Who has done this after a long night of drinking? Yep. Here's the thing. <laughs> When you're drinking and you can't remember what you did, you go out, you get plastered with your friends, and then you're like, oh, fuck, man. What I do last night was a bad, was I say, embarrassing. Was crazy? Did I tell Tessa to fuck off? Did I puke on myself? Right? Like these things. Did I puke? I I, right? Would you remember? <laughs> I would, I, I would, I would puke so. on your shirt the next day. <laughs> but I'm saying, right? Like that it's coming from because I'm looking for someone else to anchor and assure me down. Yeah. If my anxiety is blacking me out the way binge drinking would, that means that my anxiety is too goddamn high. And I have got to figure out some other ways to take care of myself. Drinking is not one of them. <laughs> Just a reminder, do not drink to ease your anxiety. It will blow no. up in your fucking face. Yes, that it will. Yes, it will. And so, but going for all these reassurance externally, they might make you feel better in the moments, but they're not going to long term. And get down to the core wound, right? What's the, what is the fear? Is it that, oh, did I embarrass myself? If I embarrass myself, people are going to be talking about me, right? I'm going to be isolated by my friends. People aren't going to want to be friends with me. Like, what is the real fear behind? Mm -hmm. Okay, if I had a bad night of drinking, what is my fear of what's going to happen? Because also, if you think about it, I know we're using this very specific example. We've all had those nights, right? Would you ever, like if a friend got super drunk, someone you really loved and cared about, would you ever be like, oh my God, I'm not, not going to be friends with you anymore? <laughs> Wait. Okay, here are two things I have to say, which is one, we haven't all had those nights. Some people <laughs> listening to this probably did not binge drink the way you and I binge drank in college. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this might not be the most relatable thing unless anyway. you went to a Big Ten school that actually probably very relatable too. Um, there are people that do that though. There are people yeah. that have had situations where they drank too much and they weren't their best selves and they got fucking axed out by their friends. Yeah. This shit happens. It does. And especially if you have a trauma like that, I was really anxious or I was going through a hard time and my friends ditched me. It's going to be very hard to find safety and vulnerability. Yeah, it happens, especially because we live in a society that doesn't educate people or give us any idea about how to handle things like mental health, grief, all this other stuff. I mean, how many stories have we heard about people going through grief episodes and getting axed out by their friends because their friends yeah. don't know how to handle them? It happens, man. It's it fucked up. <laughs> it's so fucked. It really is. I think especially you know, when you're younger too, and people really don't know how to handle those really hard emotions. Like I even think about times when I was younger, like, I mean, this is really young. We're like, you know, when you were like in middle school and like someone would do something stupid and be like, we're not being friends with them. Yes. I'm like, why? Why? I'm going to tell you a really embarrassing story about this, right? I'm ready. Okay. Remember this time in middle school when like, it was like when Kellis Milkshake came out? <laughs> I don't. Oh, oh, my yeah. milkshake brings Khalees. all the boys. Please, sorry, please. And my milkshake brings all the yeah, boys yeah. to the yard. Okay, and so like, I, you know that thing where like I knew that song before you. All right, yeah, so yeah. I had that. This other girl and these two girls were like these other girls who were like I was in. My, they're my frenemies. I would say like I was in this friend group, but like yeah. I hated them. They hated me, and everyone was right. fucking fun. competitive and shit. Yeah. It was a really fun time being 13 years really old. Really healthy. <laughs> really healthy situation I was involved with, as probably most 13-year-old girls are. Right, of And course. I remember being like, 
I can't believe you guys were playing that. You know that's Katie and I. I don't even know. The, the girl's definitely's name is not Katie, but just take yeah, the okay, example. Okay, yeah. um, you know that Milkshake was Katie and I's song. And like, I didn't own a fucking song. <laughs> but in my head, I She's, did. Right? And in my head, yeah. them playing that song after school and dancing together and not including me was betrayal. That is betrayal. That's truly how it fucking felt. <laughs> So what happened? Did you stop being friends with them? No, they stopped being friends with me because I was being insane. And to be fair, <laughs> claiming ownership over a very popular mainstream song. I never, was, I will never take that song from you. <laughs> thank you, Jen. You're was welcome. a slightly grandiose thing to do. But when you're 13, you don't know that. It's pure emotion and reactivity. Yes. And so then they didn't talk to me for like a month. Wow. And and a month when you're in seventh grade is like 18 years. 18 years, right? I didn't get invited to the party. I didn't get invited to the sleepovers. Oh. And so like, and but so for some of us, I know we talk a lot about like family of origin and, and early childhood wounds. When you go through any of this shit with yes. friendships, that is very wounding too. Like I, <laughs> I can't, I honestly don't think I can hear that song now without like feeling some type of way about this. Maybe we should do some exposure therapy. I'll like hold you while we play. Milkshake. <laughs> I'll just like cuddle you, so and so you can feel safe in the in the song again. Okay, this is going to be something we do. Great. Maybe this we'll is... maybe it'll be a bonus episode. <laughs> Nobody wants Definitely to see not. or hear this. But so for a lot of us, we like try different ways to connect with people and be vulnerable, have these different stuff, and early on in our life and it went poorly. And a lot of times it didn't go poorly necessarily because of us, but also because nobody can handle anything at that right. day and age. And here's the thing, though. If you're in a relationship with someone where it feels like if you mess up one time, you're out, do you want to be in a relationship with that person? Right. If it feels that, like the ice is that thin, it's always going to break. Like insecure, right. And if fragile. you feel that, right, if it's that fragile in that relationship, I screw up one time and this person's going to leave. Yeah. Then how safe is that relationship for you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? And really safe relationships can really help ease our anxiety and a lot of, they can help heal a lot of those wounds that we develop from early childhood. And I, I love that you used an example from seventh grade because we do talk a lot about childhood wounds from our families and our caregivers. And the reason why we, we go back into childhood is because at that time, when we are that young, our brain is forming its connections right? It's, it's growing. It's, and, and when it's forming those connections, that is where we get all of these wounds from. Those are the times in which these things are happening. And so, yes, it could be, you know, times in which we are in middle school and I'm so sorry that song is so <laughs> triggering for you. It's, it's so funny that we're even talking about this right I now. <laughs> I love it. I am thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on their 
accessories, Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. This is a question I think is really interesting and I want to talk about, which is how do you hold space for your partner's emotions and anxiety when yours feels more severe? So how are we ranking severe here? Right. <laughs> so let's let's think for a moment. Okay, let's zoom out a little bit and let's think about it in terms of a triage situation. Let's say I have depression, anxiety, and my partner's dad just died. In a crisis situation, who needs care first? Right. So it can be true that yours is more severe, yours are more lifelong or or non-situational, but do other people also get to have that experience? And there's a part where do I make myself into the victim in some way when I'm thinking, oh, mine's so bad and mine's so impossible? Because the other reality is, is that we have research that tells us that caring for others is a way to take care for ourselves. It's the idea around community care, right? Yeah. If I'm able to think about other people, we can be having our the shittiest fucking day. I was thinking this. Yeah, we've talked about this so many times. Like, there's been days where I've had like a fucking shit day, and we'll be like, oh, okay, just cancel. Like, do we need to take care of yourself today? Do you need to cancel your clients? And every time I come back to, like, it makes me feel better. Every to go time, to work. yeah. It it literally, it really does take you out of your own stuff because yeah. you can really focus on someone else. I also think it's really important to think about, if you think about percentage-wise, how much space is are your emotions taking up in the relationship? And then how much space is, are your partner's emotions taking up in the relationship? Because it might be the case, and, and once again, doesn't it means your anxiety might be very real, very valid. But if your anxiety, your emotions are taking up so much space in the relationship and it leaves very little room for your partner, how can you be very mindful and conscious of that so that when you can uh, see that your partner is having a hard time, wants to talk to you about the fact that they're having a hard time, that you can create that space for them to say, I need to be able to put my stuff aside to really be there for them. There was another question that came in that I want to, it was something about how can my partner have anxiety without it triggering my anxiety or vice versa? Do you see that one, Em? Mm -hmm. Are you looking for it? Whatever it is. So it's so important for you to be able to hold on to yourself in the face of your partner's anxiety. Because what happens is when your partner brings their stress to you, their anxiety to you, if it starts to trigger you and your anxiety, then it turns into becoming more about you than it does about your partner. Mm -hmm. So holding on to yourself might mean, right, if my partner comes to me and says like, hey, I had a really stressful day at work, whatever, I might get fired from my job. Of course, that's something that's going to trigger your anxiety. 
right? And so, but it's so important for you to be able to separate that so you can be there for your partner in that moment. Your anxiety can also come up during a different time. You can have the conversation or what are the implications about this in our marriage, in our partnership? If you do get fired, you can have that conversation at a different time. But right now, if your partner needs you to be there for them, to be able to hold that conversation for a different time, to fully be there for your partner, to say, tell me, what was this like? Tell me what your experience was like. Tell me about the fear that brings up for you, right? So to be able to pick and choose when you are bringing your anxiety into the conversation, and this is where we talk about responding versus reacting. A reaction might be, oh my God, what are we going to do? Like, what are we going to do if you get fired from your job? We're not going to have money for this. We're not going to have money for this. It becomes more about your anxiety than it is about their experience, right? And so responding is about picking and choosing when you are bringing that conversation to the table, as opposed to having a reaction to what's going on and what your partner is bringing in. A theme we keep seeing through a lot of the questions people wrote in is about how do I make my partner understand A, B, and C. Your partner does not have to understand to respect and be considerate. We have this idea that we have to make other people get it or understand. That is simply not fucking true. You can take that in a much larger sense of what people choose to do with their bodies. I don't actually need to understand why somebody transitions, comes out, does different things. People get to do whatever fuck they want with their life. I don't have to get it to respect it and to be considerate. So there's a lot of people saying, well, my partner doesn't have anxiety, so they don't get it. That might be really true. It's really hard to understand this thing if you have never experienced it. Can they be considerate, accepting, and loving and caring towards you with it? Something you can say to them is, I understand that you might have a different perspective. I understand that you might never understand what this feels like, and that's okay. This is really real to me. And so you don't have to understand that. This is what I need from you, right? This, it would be really helpful for me. Sometimes I'll have a conversation with my partner that I'll have very physical anxiety. It's not about anything, but I can just feel it in my body. I feel it in my chest. And at the beginning of our relationship, when that would happen, I would say, I'm feeling really anxious. And he'd be like, why? Like, why are you feeling anxious? Tell me why. Like, there's a reason, right? And I would say to him, why, why, why? So I can fix it. it. I need to fix it, right? And if I can't fix it, then I'm, I'm doing something wrong, right? That's where your partner's taking responsibility for your emotions. And I have consistently said to him, I don't have a reason for this. I just feel it. And that's okay. I'm going to lay down. I'm going to take care of myself. You don't have to do anything. I am fine. Just give me the space, right? So I'm asking for him to give me the space to be able to take care of myself. And I have said that over and over and over again. And now he is able to say that to me when he's feeling anxious or when he's feeling sad. He can, and I'll be like, well, and I have started to be like, well, why? Is there something going on? Do you want to talk about it? And he'll say, no, I just feel it. And I'll be like, okay. So it's really important to infuse this language into your relationship of you're allowed to feel something and not have a reason for it. And your partner doesn't have to come to the rescue, Mm -hmm. right? Because sometimes if your partner feels like, okay, if I have a reason for this, I can do something to fix it and I can be the hero. That's your partner taking responsibility for your emotions, right? 
when you don't have a reason and all you have to do is take care of yourself, nurture yourself, make sure that you're giving to yourself in some way, you can tell your partner that to, listen, I just need the space to be able to do this and I'll be okay. I've gone through this a million times. I'm just feeling anxious. My body feels anxious. Mm. Give me the space to be able to get through this and and I'll be good. Jen, I have a, um, a question I'd like you to answer. Okay, please. You, you know when I do this, I out you in some way always, every time, right? <laughs> I looked, I was so excited and now, now it's like the wind was out. It was taken out of my sails. When are you actually just anxious or are you in an unhealthy relationship that's causing it? <laughs> are you outing me because of my past relationships? Not current, but your college relationship, oh, I yeah. think, speaks to this. No? Uh, no. I mean, yes. <laughs> so. I had horrible anxiety panic attacks in college, and I was in a very unhealthy relationship. And so I think if you're asking this question, you probably already know the answer. That's I'll say that I'll say that again. I know we took a big pause after if you're asking this question, you probably already know the answer. And here's the thing. There might be th- small things in your relationship that could cause you anxiety. We're going to do another episode about resentment, right? And how resentment can build up in your relationship. It doesn't mean the whole relationship is unhealthy. But if you are consistently anxious in your relationship, you're having panic attacks about other things. You are, you know, so reactive to all your friends and family, right? And it's it's pouring out into other things. And your whole personality has changed. Your mood has changed. You're ne- you know, like, it's really something to consider of, is this a healthy relationship for you? Because your body might be telling you something that your mind has not accepted yet. Sometimes our bodies feel things before our minds are able to accept a really hard truth that we're unable to come to terms with. And sometimes until you've gone through that, until you've been in a really unhealthy relationship and you've recognized what it feels like to be in that relationship and for that to pour out into other things and to get out of that relationship and to recognize how different you feel, it's hard to recognize that truth. So my answer to that would be, if you're asking the question, you probably already know the answer. Now, we did a um, an Ask Me Anything yesterday on Instagram, and somebody said, can you bring back personal versus professional? So I think today's Dear M and Jen should be personal versus professional. What do you think? I love that. But okay. I was saying, well, yes. we had a wonderful California clinician oh, Alyssa. come visit yesterday. We had such a great time. Um but I was saying the personal versus professional was a little hard for me. Because you're the same. Because I'm the same. Well, let's see. Let's see. Let's listen to yeah, today's Dear Jen and M, and then you okay. can see if that's really true. So okay. if you were OG listener, we used to do, instead of Dear M and Jen, we used to do personal versus professional. We would answer a question one way as clinicians, another way is as personally. Um, and so let's let's see how it goes today. So Dear M and Jim. I love you guys. I just found this out. I thought of you. I think it's kind of funny and kind of horrifying. <laughs> Okay, I don't know who you are, but this is already the best year I've been Jen ever. <laughs> but my therapist is my new neighbor. Uh, is it us? <laughs> Can you talk about how you navigate seeing your therapist in public? 
thinking of having therapy sessions at the apartment pool now. <laughs> okay, I can I can handle it. This is very different for me. <laughs> okay, personal versus professional. Okay, is in in a professional, am I the therapist? <laughs> Like giving advice to my yes, client. Like if you're, let's say that. But like, then we're neighbors. Okay. Well, you're not the neighbor. Pretend a client's coming in and tell you this. What would you okay. tell them to do professionally? But then personally, if you were going through this, what would you do? Okay. So <laughs> so I would say to the client whose neighbor, who whose therapist <laughs> is their neighbor, I would say, listen, it's the therapist's job to maintain your confidentiality. You get to choose what boundaries you set up with that therapist. So it's actually completely in your control what you do. I would also go to your therapist, when you go to your therapist, Mm -hmm. have a conversation about your feelings around them being your neighbor. Yeah. Have, talk to them about your feelings. What's that like for you? Okay. Personally, what would you do? (laughs) Personally, like personally, if my therapist moved, was my neighbor, I would be fucking pumped. (laughs) Wait, I was going to say the same thing. I would be like, "Hey, like, yeah, I would, I would can't, you know, so pumped to be able to like see what her life is like." You know, you're just. But if it was your client, if it was my client, I would want to die. (laughs) Right? Because here's why. Here and here's why Jen says like I would want to die because this idea of like we you have to understand we never want to cause harm ever. And so let's say that. My client, who I love so much and and hears me say stuff and sees me in a professional light, sees me, I don't know, drunk one night, like like having a like little banter with my partner outside. Yes. Yeah. Then is it going to change how they feel about our work and all the work they've done? Right. So yes. like and that's the thing for us. And once again, that's why it's our job. If I'm out at a bar and this has happened to us many times where like, I'm out at a bar and I see a client, it is my job to leave to ignore the client. You know what I mean? To like, it is my job to protect my client as much as possible. Yes. As the client, you get to do whatever the fuck whatever you, you want. want. And that's and that's another thing is that if you're out with friends, right, as a therapist and you see your client and your client comes up and says hi to you, which is totally fine. As the client, you get to do whatever you want. Yeah. And if your friends say to you, who is that? You lie about it. Yeah, you, you have to lie yeah. about it. You know, you you lie about who that person is to you because it is your job to respect and maintain their mm-hmm. confidentiality no matter what. So the reason why I said I would die is because I would have to lie to my husband, yeah. right? Or to I would have to really maintain this professional boundary because it is our job to maintain that yes. confidentiality. So I'll say I was in a baby shower and I'm at this baby shower and I know this girl and I look over and I see a client of mine sitting there and I hadn't seen this client in about probably like about a year. And so technically after a year, I would be allowed to say hi, like ethically, but I'm always going to respect a client first and I'm never going to do anything. I'm always going to let them choose. I look over. The second I look over and saw her though, locked eyes and so second she saw me she like jumps out of her chair like runs her and gives me a hug of course then she walked away and the girl i was there with was like who is that because i didn't introduce her yeah and so i just said oh my gosh it's um it's uh someone i know from uh the therapy world that's an old colleague. That's, you know what I mean? There's like things I've said before. Now, I've also had before the client comes up and starts talking to me and the person I'm with is like, oh, and I'm so-and-so, like introduces themselves since I'm clearly not introducing them. Yeah. And then I say, oh, I'm so sorry. This is my old friend, Jenny. 
you know, uh, this is the the wonderful Jennifer, I would say something like that, right? So like, I'm not saying how I know this person. Yeah. But it is a very, very tricky situation. And it's also why therapists, it's our job to tell people first before it happens. Hey, I want to give you a heads up. If I ever see you, Right. I mean, the thing is, like, even in Philadelphia, it's a small, it's a huge city, but it's a small city at the same time, right? Like, yeah. everything feels, like, small. And, I mean, but I've been in New York and run into random people before. You know, yeah. like, there's just things that can happen. Absolutely. And so, as the therapist, it is our job to talk about that first, and it's our job to uh, do the guidelines, and it's our job to maintain professional boundaries. It is all on your clinician. But have the conversation with them. And then, yeah, maybe you're going to see him at the pool and do a little wink. <laughs> the thing is, as the client, like you get to you get to do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> the therapist still has to maintain. Uh, yeah. And if you have a therapist who's not doing that, yellow flag. Yellow. I'm not going to say red. I don't know. Right. I'm going to say yellow. I would talk to them. Yes. I would talk to them about it. Right. Have the conversation with them. Yes. And that's today's episode of Shrink Chicks. That's it. Personal versus professional. Wasn't so bad. No, it wasn't bad at all. That Remember was a fun it. one. Took a while. I love that. Um, hey, thanks for listening to today's episode of Shrink Chicks. If you enjoyed it, um, think your friend might too. We always ask you to send it on over. Rate, review, subscribe, follow on Apple Podcasts. Uh, check us out on um, YouTube if you're interested in uh, being matched with a clinician at the amazing therapy group. We would love you to check us out at therapygroup.com. You can follow us um, on Instagram on Shrink Chicks and Therapy Group. Thank you for being here. And don't forget that to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. We'll see you next week on Shrink Chicks. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. Warning though, there will be no surface level conversations here. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image after trying to check all those be healthy boxes, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. I truly believe how you feel on the inside reflects out into every aspect of your life. So if you're ready to go below skin deep to tap into a whole other level of wellness, you're in the right place. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks.